0: I don't know about you guys but i am fucking tired of this heat
1: same
2: it's july
0: we are dead in the middle of our summer of slaughter dead. dead 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 dead
1: from the heat i've sweated to death
0: you know what could really help me relax a nice nighttime swim in a pool an indoor pool where there's air conditioning
1: and mannequins
0: and, and some, some mannequins making me drinks <laughs> and
2: it sounds like the lost land of forever 21. maybe a
0: little bit of autoerotic asphyxiation
2: <laughs> if still forever 21 right there
1: uh remember yeah. those days
0: just mix a little bit of autoerotic asphyxiation in with that and you're good to go
2: you don't think there was already association and audit- i choked
1: myself getting out of those damn clothes
0: Jeez,
2: those five dollar panties are no lie.
0: A little tight. (laughs) A little tight at Forever Twenty One.
1: A little bit. I haven't shopped there in probably like you might be Forever
0: Twenty One in spirit, but that waistline's never going to be Forever Twenty One.
2: No, she's not. Mine's not the waistline. It's the titties. It's like no, not happening.
1: Matter of the titties now. If I have them.
0: Well, if you're ready for a midnight swim
1: with no titties.
0: With no titties, just (laughs) mannequins.
1: Just mannequins. Well, the mannequins might have titties.
0: I, somehow I doubt it.
2: I feel like man titties count. If they're nice.
0: Duly noted. Man, <laughs> man tits do matter.
2: They do. They have rights.
0: Welcome to Creeps in the Crypt, everybody. <laughs> As always, I am Eric and I'm joined by...
2: Sam. Christian
0: and always welcome enthusiastic. yes I, always if, if, listen, I have to,
2: i'm like a Listen, i have to plateau out dude i have to go up and scare the shit out of all of you
0: i feel like you just ride the wave
2: i do it's a fun wave to ride
0: welcome to all our new subscribers by the way hello um we noticed a huge upswing for july so far and welcome to the we thank show. you thank you for subscribing And please leave us a review on whatever podcast platform you listen to if they do accept reviews. We know Apple does, Spotify, Good Pods. So if you're on one of those platforms, give us a good review.
2: And we do appreciate it. And we do read them.
0: Yes, we do read them. And we share them Mm -hmm. on our Instagram. So if you know about this serial killer, you'll know what I was getting at with the nighttime swims and mannequins.
2: I feel like not a lot of people know who this guy is. I had no idea who this person was. I
0: would say... I
2: actually made Eric go pull up something because he's not that well-known.
0: He's a D-lister. Like, if he was a celebrity, <laughs> he would be, like, the one of the cast of the Jersey Shore. He's, Dude, shut
2: your fucking whore mouth. I love the Jersey Shore.
0: They're D-listers. I don't care. Like, he's the type of guy who...
2: The push-ups, chapstick, Jim. <laughs>
0: Well <laughs> laundry. there's a reason for him not being well known. in fact, he doesn't even have his own documentary on discovery plus, so he did yet.
1: not make it. He did not make the short list yet
0: he maybe? yeah he did not make the list. He's I not, don't know
2: we have a pretty good track record when we do a show of a serial killer. they put out a awesome documentary right afterward.
0: yeah, yeah, that, we're that just ahead of the curve quite a bit. <laughs> But <laughs> yeah. So, without further ado, Sam, take it away.
1: This week we have the story of suspected serial killer Herbert or Herb Herb whatever Baumeister Baumeister. I've been saying Baumeister in my head for since I since I found him, and then the news. Report or whatever. I'm thinking, bow. call him Baumeister. Like, I'm thinking Bauer. And now my head's all fucked up.
0: Mm. Pronunciations are hard.
1: It is English is hard. English is hard. Okay. I'm still going to call him Baumeister. Okay. Because that I'm just do a what habit do now. what
0: makes you feel good.
1: It does make me feel nice, nice, warm and fuzzy inside.
0: We're we're pronunciation fluid around here.
1: <laughs> I can identify what? however I want. <laughs>
2: If I want to identify where my brain is made of shrimp, I
1: will. I want to pronounce it, ballmaster, when I fully am aware it is ballmaster. Oh, you're going to fucking do it, ball. Mm.
2: Oh, like ball. Like B A
1: U, ball. Oh,
2: I thought Ba-o. you were going, not like ball.
1: The ballmaster.
2: Yeah, I was thinking the ballmaster.
0: You know, kind of is a ballmaster. Yeah, Herb's kind of a ballmaster, as we're gonna find out.
2: Damn it! Why do I? identify with so many of this 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 genre that we've gone on <laughs> i also am a ball master you are a
1: ball master
0: it's a great show on adult swim too <laughs> what
2: this is show.
0: yeah
1: ball master yeah wow. never heard of it me either so they- if you've never heard of good old herb you you're not alone He was also suspected of being the I-70 Strangler who plagued Indiana and Ohio, leaving bodies along Interstate 70. Hence the name, I-70 Strangler. Authorities believe that from 1980 to 1996,
0: Herb murdered up to 27 men. Oh, So, he's got a pretty high kill count for somebody that's relatively unknown.
1: Suspected. And
0: that's the problem. It's all suspected. It is all... I mean, the bodies buried, or not even buried, just left out in the woods on his property, were a pretty good fucking indicator. We'll get there. Yeah.
1: There will always be... An air of mystery surrounding her, but there are a few pieces of key evidence that make the case for him being guilty pretty compelling. The bodies. Yes, the bodies.
0: The, the bodies make a very compelling case. <laughs> Maybe you just have friends not, that pass
1: away easily. It,
0: yeah, it's not like, oh, fuck, I don't know how these got here.
1: I have no idea. I was holding them for a friend. I
0: think some wild dogs brought them onto the property or something.
2: I like mm-hmm. the holding them for a friend. That made me laugh.
1: <laughs> and, <laughs> Never mind. I'm holding for a friend, I swear. <laughs>
0: Jesus Christ. Which, it's not <laughs> drugs, Sam's. It's human corpses.
1: <laughs> He's
2: holding them for Jeffrey Dahmer.
0: That's yeah. his
1: friend.
2: Yeah, I'll put them on ice for you after I'm done with them.
1: <laughs> That's what he did with all the bones. He shipped them down to Herb. Herb. Yeah. Whatever. Jesus. Ball master.
0: <laughs> they maybe ran in the same circles. Who knows?
1: Mm, they're from the same area. Oh, so it. it. The yeah.
2: best friend club. Of boys club. Clubs. The, boys mm-hmm. club of the boys club. The boys club. The
0: boys club. I mean, I, I think Indianapolis is a little far away from Milwaukee, but... You That's know, okay.
1: They can still he, be best friends. He
0: did travel up to Ohio quite a bit.
1: He was from Ohio.
0: Yeah, but mm-hmm. he didn't commit most of the murders. In oh well,
1: yeah. yeah, maybe they uh, went when they
2: maybe they went well, like, Indianapolis.
0: supposed murders.
2: Maybe they went and had coffee, talked about all the. Like, what
0: things. kind of guys do you like, Herb? Yeah. Well, I'm into white twinks. Oh, oh, I'm into black guys. For I'm dinner. In, I'm yeah. into dead ones.
2: Yeah. I like to eat them too. How and do you like your right men? Roasted. Time.
0: I like mine drowned. Drowned How's, and jerked off. Yeah.
2: How's your pie? Jerky. My pie's good.
1: <laughs> he likes the man jerky. All right. Anyway. <laughs> Herbert Richard Baumeister was born on April 7th, 1947 to Dr. Herbert and Elizabeth Baumeister of Indianapolis. He was the oldest of four children. His father was an anesthesiologist. Soon after their last child was born, the family moved to the affluent area of Indianapolis called Washington Township. By all accounts, Herbert had a normal childhood, but when he reached adolescence, he changed.
0: As most serial killers do. Yeah.
1: But they also, like, most of them have, like, some traumatic event where, like, they hit their head or they have a a double hernia surgery or whatever. A lot of
0: head injuries.
1: Yeah, that's, that's like, in the serial killer trifecta or whatever.
0: I mean, Bundy found out his... Sister was his mom, and that had a lot to do with that. Yeah. I'd say that's a traumatic event.
1: Yes. They all have some sort of, not all, most Most. have some sort of stressor where they're just like, fuck it, and they kill everybody.
0: Yeah. There's a lot of that.
1: There's a lot of that all the time here. Hmm. Herbert began to obsess over vile, disgusting things. I
2: respect it.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's I mean, on, we talk about brand. murder. It's on brand. I'm
1: okay with it. mm-hmm. I'll allow it. He developed a macabre sense of humor, also fair, mm-hmm. and appeared to lose ability to judge right from wrong. I'm still there. I have mm-hmm. the ability. It's there. To, Sometimes
0: but do I being bad's fun.
1: I'm good at it.
0: But Herb had a special brand of being a jackass, as we'll find out here in a second.
1: He was a real pisser
0: yeah he knew how to take the piss out of any good situation
1: or put it on it yeah there were rumors going around about him urinating on his teacher's desk he put a dead crow that he would found on the road on also on his teacher's desk his peers began distancing themselves wary of association with his morbid behavior One of Herb's classmates recalled Herb wondering, quote, what it would be like to taste human urine.
0: So he had a piss piss fetish.
2: Okay, well, guess what? Suck any kind of fucking dick, and there is going to be some pee-pee in there. I'm just going to go ahead and say that. It's there. They're not going to say it, but it's there.
0: Duly (laughs) know It's
2: there. It's there. You know,
0: we don't talk to y'all about your toilet paper crumbs and your your snatch either. You know, we just kind of brush them away.
2: That's okay. It's like Parmesan.
0: Oh, fuck you! Say when. Fuck you, lady. This ain't Say Olive Garden. When. It's not fucking Olive Garden, Christian. God damn. I, I, I hate it here.
1: That is a lie. You sit on a throne of lies. I do. mm mm-hmm. Mhm.
2: I, that I, fucked sam up for a second she was well, that <laughs>
0: fucked me up for a second just the <laughs> mental image of that
2: just. Oh, just a vagina with the like cheese grater over it that's what i thought that's what i imagined say when terrible <laughs> just entire toilet paper rolls just the room up.
1: <laughs> in class herb was often disruptive and volatile his teachers reached out to his parents for help. But the Baumeisters had also noticed changes in their oldest son. Herbert Sr. sent him for a medical evaluation, which revealed that Herb was schizophrenic and also suffered from multiple personality disorder. What was done to help the boy is unclear, but the Baumeisters did not seek treatment for their son. There's no medical... Records of treatment or anything. Yeah,
0: you might as well just let that go unchecked. You know. Yeah,
1: this is also during the time where electroshock therapy was popular.
0: It was. Mm-hmm. Um, they
2: probably ought, like opted out of that. Probably.
1: I mean, it sounds like it. Because sounds- that would leave him like. Yeah, drooling I don't think on that himself. ever.
0: I don't think that ever worked ever in history.
1: No. No. He continued in public high school, maintaining his grades, but he was failing socially. The school's extracurricular energy was focused on sports, and members of the football team and their friends were the most popular clique, obviously. Herb, in awe of this group, continually tried to gain their acceptance but was rejected. For him, it was all or nothing. Either he would be accepted into the group or be alone and he finished his final high school year in solitude. In 1965, Herb attended Indiana University. Again, he dealt with being an outcast because of his strange behavior and dropped out in his first semester. Pressured by his father, he returned in 1967 to study anatomy, but dropped out again before the semester ended. This time, however, being at IU was not a total loss. He met a woman named Juliana Sater, who went by Julie, a high school journalism teacher and part-time IU student. They began dating and found that they had a lot in common. Besides being extremely conservative politically, they shared an entrepreneurial spirit and dreamed of owning their own business. In 1971, they got married, but six months into the marriage, for whatever reason, Herb's father had him committed to a mental institution where he stayed for about two months. Whatever happened didn't ruin his marriage. Julie was in love with her husband despite his odd behavior.
0: She stuck by her man. Uh, It
1: didn't. It didn't age well.
0: No. No. There's
1: always that one dumb broad. I'll stick with him through anything. I'll stick with you, baby.
0: Yay! He's also
1: not murdering people in his in y'all's indoor pool.
2: We don't have an indoor pool. Exactly.
0: That is true. That tracks. Mm-hmm. I wish.
2: That would be nice. Mm-hmm not for murder but just for the indoor pool part yeah.
0: we gotta get some sponsors for that to happen though
1: <laughs> well, my parents own a pool maintenance company
0: oh hell yeah For <laughs> one step there
2: yeah. as soon as we get there Sam you know it it's gonna be an employment right there <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: I'll get you guys the employee discount oh, 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 family
0: oh thank god oh, the friends <laughs> and family. pools, pools the be expensive
1: they are i mean like i knew they weren't cheap but like jesus
2: to maintain they are yeah especially if they're like not taken care of and then they get algae in them it's like a bitch to get out right oh i know Mm -hmm. or a lot of
0: cum in this story
2: i don't think it makes algae does it no no no
0: No, it just makes the water probably smell real bad
2: probably like a foot
0: probably like, a little cheesy
1: Yeah, Ew. sweaty gym sock uh,
2: I don't know if anybody's come that smells like g- sweaty gym socks
0: <laughs> well that's gonna, good
2: you know what I'm gonna put that thought to bed in a little box somewhere else
0: <laughs> somewhere it's a, else it's a good idea
1: Herb's father pulled strings and got him a job as a copy boy at the Indi- 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 Indianapolis Star running reporter stories between desks and going on other errands it was a low level position but herb dove right into it eager to start a new career unfortunately his constant efforts to gain positive feedback from the brass became irritating he obsessed over ways to fit in with his coworkers but never succeeded Soured and unable to handle his, quote, nobody status, he eventually left for a job at the Bureau of Motor Vehicles. Herb began his entry-level job there with a different attitude. At the newspaper, he was childlike and overeager, displaying hurt feelings when he did not find recognition. At the BMV... He became he came off bossy and aggressive toward his co-workers, lashing out at them for no reason, as if he was playing a role, emulating what he perceived as a good supervisory behavior. Again, he was labeled an oddball. His behavior was erratic and his sense of propriety was at times way off. One year, he sent a Christmas card to everyone at work that pictured him with another man, both dressed in holiday drag. It was the early 70s at this point, so very few saw humor in that. Talk yeah, ar-
0: some might consider that what you call a red flag. Yeah. It, it,
1: flag on the play. Yeah. Talk around the water cooler was that her was a closet homosexual and a nutcase. I'm not sure there is a closet in this story. Mm. He was weird from the get-go, right off the rip. No,
0: he was definitely a closeted homosexual, though. Mm. He had a beard. Julie was his beard. Not a
1: very good one. Because he was just openly going to gay bars and bringing men home.
0: While she was away.
1: But he was still doing it, Mm. openly.
0: We'll get more into that later.
1: Yeah, we'll get there. After 10 years, despite Herb's poor relationship with his co-workers, he was recognized as an intelligent go-getter who produced results and was promoted to program director. But in 1985, within a year of the promotion he had yearned for, he was terminated after he urinated on a letter addressed to the then Indiana Governor Robert D. Orr. That substantiated rumors about who was responsible for urine found months earlier on his manager's desk. He's just like pissing everywhere. He's just like marking his territory, I guess.
0: I don't know. He's like a wild animal He's in a feral. man suit.
1: He's feral. It's
0: like, I want this desk, I'm gonna piss on it.
1: It's mine now. I am to captain now.
0: I have your job. I peed on your desk.
1: I marked my territory. Hmm. Nine years into their marriage, he and Julie started a family. Marie was born in 1979, Eric in in 1981, and Emily in 1984. Before Herbert lost his BMV job, things things seemed to be going well. So Julie quit her job to become a full-time mom, but returned to work whenever Herb couldn't find steady work. He, as a temporary stay-at-home dad, Herb was a caring, loving father to his children, but being jobless left too much time on his hands, and unknown to Julie, he began drinking a lot and hanging out at gay bars.
0: Well, you know what they say, idle hands are at the devil's dangling.
1: In September 1985, Herb received a slap on the hand after being charged in a hit-and-run accident while driving drunk. Six months later, he was charged with stealing a friend's car and conspiracy to commit theft, but beat those charges as well. Meanwhile, he bounced between jobs until he began working at a thrift shop. At first, he considered the job beneath him, but then he saw it as a potential moneymaker. Over the next three years, he focused on learning the business. During this time, his father had died. But there was no real impact that we... Well, they got that was... threw him in
0: a mental institution. I'm sure he heard some ill will about that. I'm sure he
1: was like, all right, I'll see you later.
0: Yeah. Like, fuck off, dude. Yeah.
1: See you in hell. In 1988, borrowing $4,000 from his mother, Herb and his wife opened a thrift store, which they named Save-A-Lot. They stocked it with gently used quality clothing, furniture, and other used items. A percentage of the store's profit went to the Children's Bureau of Indianapolis. Business was booming. Save-A-Lot was most appealing to families on budgets. The store brought in $50,000 in its first year.
2: I love how that like that time period, if you take that of $50,000 for a store, like that would be like We're fucking broke right now. Literally. We are fucking broke right now. But, like, back then, that was like, oh, fuck, we're doing fucking titties right now.
0: And most of it, I'm sure, was either, like, shit he bought in lots. Mm
1: -hmm. Like,
0: storage lockers or shit like that. Yeah. I've seen Storage Wars. I know how this goes.
1: I love Storage Wars. We should restart that.
2: I actually really like that show.
1: The Baumeisters soon opened a second store. Within three years after having lived paycheck to paycheck, they were rich. In 1991, the Baumeisters moved into their dream home, an 18-acre horse ranch called Fox Hollow Farms in the upscale Westfield area, just outside of Indianapolis in Hamilton County. The large, beautiful, million-dollar, 11,000-square-foot Tudor style mansion had all the bells and whistles including a stable and an indoor pool Rem- it, also
0: bun- it also had a bunch of like guest houses and stuff too. yeah
1: this thing this place is like, huge it's massive remarkably Herb had become a well-respected successful family man who gave to charities and that's where we end just kidding he gets way yeah. Oh, wow. He's, he's such a great guy. <laughs> he's such a great guy. I'm
0: sure he doesn't have any skeletons however, in his closet.
1: However, did he make it to Slummer slaughter too? I'm about to tell you.
0: Yep. This is where shit starts to go off the rails.
1: Yeah. He goes off the deep end, if yeah. you will. Unfortunately, stress from working so closely together soon followed. From the start of the business, Herb had treated Julie as an employee, often yelling at her for no reason. To keep the peace, she took a back seat on business decisions, but it took a toll on their marriage. The couple argued and separated on and off for the next several years. The Save-A-Lot stores had a reputation for being clean and organized, but the opposite could be said about the Baumeister's new home. The once meticulously maintained grounds became overgrown with weeds. Inside, the rooms were a mess. Housekeeping was low on their totem pole. The only area that Herb seemed to care about was the pool house. He kept the wet bar stocked and filled the area with extravagant decor, including mannequins that he dressed and positioned to give the appearance of a lavish Party. To escape the turmoil, Julie and the children often stayed with Herb's mother at her Lake Wawasee condominium. Herb usually remained behind to run the stores, or so he told his wife. In the early 90s, Herb actually made it onto the local news. Wish TV interviewed Herb regarding a dead raccoon that was left on the side of the road, and instead of it being moved out of the way, it was painted over with a yellow roadside marker.
0: Dude, the guy driving that paint truck is the biggest case of, fuck this job, I don't don't care. He gives zero fucks. So we're about to play Herb's uh, clip that was in the news. So you actually hear the voice of this man. Yeah
2: over 11,000 miles of roadway. And we paint those miles of roadway each year, and this is just an isolated incident that happened.
0: The drive by striping, (laughs) you know, whatever. Herb Baumeister of Carmel saw it all. I said to my son, they're gonna hit that raccoon with a spray gun, and sure enough, they just striped right over its face and neck. You know, didn't even move it. You know, no effort to, you know, get it out of the way. So I happened to have a Polaroid with me, so I took a shot at the thing. A raccoon, which met its demise on the yellow line, became one with the paint. The raccoon has since been removed. This is all that's left. This was just, you know, a uh, uh, painter should have had a chalk line drawn around his career by state officials. There was no excuse
2: for that. I mean, the poor thing deserved a better fate than that. So just what is
0: the You know, I find it very fucking funny that this man has more sympathy for a dead raccoon that's been its face spray painted over by a yellow line than he does human life.
2: Honestly, that's actually a really big track record with some people. They find a little bit more sympathy for animals than human beings. They relate to him a little bit better.
0: I love this line where he's like, that should have been a big chalk outline around that man's career. I'm like, what would you have done different Herb? Would you have pissed on it?
1: (laughs) He probably.
0: Like, ah, well, now that the job's done, I gotta pee on this raccoon.
1: Gotta mark my territory.
0: This is my road. Oh
1: my god. This is my land. In 1994, the Baumeister's 13 year old son, Eric, was playing in a wooded area behind their home when he found a partially buried human skeleton. He showed the grizzly find to his mom, Julie who then showed it to Herb. He told her that his father had used skeletons in his research and that after finding one while cleaning the garage, he'd buried it. Surprisingly, not really, Julie believed him. She's what a like, okay, ass. honey, that's well, fine.
0: What's not crazy weird. is that it's said that Herb then turned the tables on Julie. And was like, why would you let the kids bring that in the house? It's going to scare the other kids. Like, blamed her for... A and she s-
2: apologized. Yeah. What a narcissistic asshole. Yeah, 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 that's pretty on brand. Like,
0: Is why somebody, would you let the kids bring that filthy oh thing in God, this fucking house?
2: I've, I've been the victim of narcissism. I can't even... Like, <laughs> I don't, PTSD! I,
0: I wonder <laughs> if his me son... Me and Sam are
2: here on PTSD right now. <laughs>
0: I wonder if his son was, like, shaking the skull. And it's like, is that a a brain in there? No. There's something in here. Is that, like, one of these hidden Funko Pops where you have to cut the head open to get the prize in the middle?
1: You have to cut her head open? Yeah. There's,
0: like, some stupid TikTok trend where people saw open their Funko Pops to find, like, a hidden prize or some shit. I don't know.
1: Like a brain. They need to find their brain. I would never open my Funko Pops head. No, too either. cute. I have a Britney Spears one. She's adorable. So, not long after the second store opened, the business began to lose money. Herb started drinking during the day and acting belligerently to customers and employees. The stores soon looked like dumps. At night, unknown to Julie, Herb cruised gay bars and then retreated to his pool house where he spent hours crying like a child about the dying business. She was exhausted from worry. Bills were piling up and her husband was acting stranger and stranger every day. Julie would later say that they had been sexually intimate only six times in over 25 years of marriage. Out. Absolutely not. Ew. That was terrible. Like, that is the worst ever. That's
0: what I'm saying. She's his beard.
1: Well, duh. We knew that. Yeah. I mean, I guess like, she didn't. But.
0: He's just doing it to procreate to keep up. He's got the... a
1: 50-50 shot, though. That's his batting average. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: There's
2: more fuckboys that have, like, 100% he,
1: chance
0: he's, of fucking up. He's very fertile. Yes, Sam.
1: I'm one for one. Ah, just...
0: He's a very fertile man.
1: <laughs> He's a fertile myrtle. Oh, God. While the Baumeisters were trying to fix their failing business and marriage, a major in- murder investigation was underway in Indianapolis. In June of 1994, Virgil Vandegrift, who ran a private investigation firm in Indianapolis specializing in missing person cases, was contacted by the mother of 28-year-old Alan Broussard, who she said was missing. When she last saw him, he was headed to meet his partner at a popular gay bar called Brothers, and he never returned home.
0: That is a terrible name for a gay
1: bar. That's bad name for any bar where is that
0: bar at alabama (laughs) we love you alabama i'm
1: disgusted right now Oh. oh my god almost a week later virgil received a call from another distraught mother about her missing son in july 32 year old roger goodlett had left his parents home to go to a gay bar in downtown indianapolis but never arrived Alan and Roger shared the same lifestyle, looked alike, and were near the same age. And they both had vanished en route to a gay bar. Those are some of the best bars I've ever been to, though. I love going to gay bars. They're so much fun. Virgil distributed missing persons posters at gay bars around the city. Family members and friends of the young men and customers at gay bars were interviewed. Virgil learned that Roger was last seen willingly entering a blue car with Ohio plates. Virgil also received a call from a gay magazine publisher who told him that several gay men had disappeared in Indianapolis over the previous few years. Convinced that they were dealing with a serial killer, Virgil took his suspicions to the Indianapolis Police Department. Unfortunately, missing gay men were apparently a low priority. The less
0: dead. Like, cops don't want to investigate that. Prostitutes.
1: Yeah. No. Uh,
0: black crimes. It's just like things cops just don't really look into that, that much.
1: Yeah. It's horrible. Possibly the men had left the area without telling their families to freely practice their gay lifestyles. Virgil also learned about an ongoing investigation into multiple murders of gay men in Ohio that began in 1989 and ended mid-1990. Bodies had been dumped along Interstate 70 and were dubbed the I-70 murders in the media. Four victims were from Indianapolis. Weeks after Virgil distributed the posters, he was contacted by Tony, which is a pseudonym. He wants to remain anonymous, who said he was certain that he had spent time with the person responsible for Roger's disappearance. Tony said he went to the police and the FBI, but they disregarded his information. Virgil set up a series of interviews and a bizarre story unfolded. Tony said he was at a gay club when he noticed another man who seemingly overly captivated by the missing persons poster of his friend, Roger Goodlip. As he continued to watch the man, something in his eyes convinced Tony that the man had information about Roger's disappearance. To try and learn more, Tony introduced himself. The man said his name was Brian Smart, and he was a landscaper from Ohio. When Tony tried to bring up Roger, Brian became evasive. Obviously, Brian is her Baumeister. We didn't catch that.
0: He's he's operating under an alias.
1: Yeah. But I'm going to reference him as Brian in Tony's story.
0: Like, wow, you know, for a landscaper, you have a really bad tan.
1: Right? I mean, I'm out in the sun a lot and I don't have a tan. I'm also a ginger.
0: Yeah, you don't tan, you just burn.
1: I burn, and then I freckle, and that's about it. Anyway, (sighs) as the evening progressed, Brian invited Tony to join him for a swim at a house where he was temporarily living, doing landscaping for the new owners, who were away. Mm, His
2: wife's asleep.
1: Suspicious. Tony agreed and got into Brian's Buick, which had Ohio plates. Tony was not familiar with northern Indianapolis, so he could not say where the house was, though he described the area as having horse ranches and large homes. He also described a split rail fence and a sign that read Farm Something. The sign was at the front of the driveway that Brian had turned into. Tony described a large Tudor home, which he and Brian entered through a side door. He described the interior of the home as being packed with furniture and boxes. He followed Brian through the house and down steps to the bar and pool area, which had mannequins set up around the pool. Brian offered Tony a drink, which he turned down. Smart?
0: As we learned from the last series we just did.
1: (laughs) Never take a drink from a stranger. I don't. Mm
0: -mm. It's not a good call. There could be Halcyon in it.
1: yes Brian excused himself and when he returned he was a lot more talkative. Tony suspected that he had snorted cocaine at some point Brian brought up autoerotic asphyxiation which is basically enjoying being choked which same
0: it's how David Carradine died I don't
1: know who that is
0: Uh, he was the bad guy in several movies he was Bill in Kill Bill yeah. Yeah. David Carradine died jerking off in a closet. So did the lead, lead singer. In excess, he died from autoerotic, uh, autoerotic asphyxiation.
1: Hmm. Choking is fun. I mean, I like being choked, but like not that bad. Not like to death.
0: Yeah. yeah not to where I'm
1: like passing out.
0: Yeah. You want to stop right before you turn blue. Um, but one thing Herb did was he would cover the pool mm-hmm. and then turn the heater on. So, it would create this, like, steam element, and it was, like, disorienting hmm. to the people that were in there. Interesting. Yeah.
1: So, Brian asked Tony to auto-erotically asphyxiate him. Choke him. Tony went along and choked Brian with a hose while he masturbated. Well, Brian did. Brian then said it was his turn to do it to Tony. Again, Tony went along, and as Brian began choking him, it became obvious that he was not going to let go. Tony pretended to pass out, and Brian released the hose. When he opened his eyes, Brian became rattled and said he was scared because Tony had passed out. Tony was considerably larger than Brian, which was probably why he survived. He also refused drinks that Brian had prepared earlier in the evening. Brian drove Tony back to Indianapolis, and they agreed to meet again the following week. To learn more about Brian, Virgil arranged to have Tony and Brian followed at their second meeting, but he never showed up. Brian didn't. Mm. Believing Tony's story, Virgil turned again to the police, but this time he contacted a woman named Mary Wilson, who was a detective who worked in missing persons. She drove Tony to the wealthy areas outside Indianapolis, hoping that he might recognize the house that Brian took him to, but they came up empty. Tony met Brian again a year later when they happened to stop at the same bar. Tony got Brian's license plate number, which he gave to Mary. She found that the plate was registered to Herbert Balmeister. As Mary discovered more about Herb, she agreed with Virgil. Tony had narrowly escaped becoming a victim of a serial killer. Could you imagine? Like, I don't even, I don't even know what I would do. If I figured out that I had narrowly escaped a serial killer.
0: You have a fucking archangel looking after you at that point.
1: For real. They were working in overdrive. They were putting in
0: them hours. Yeah.
2: I wanna play patty cake. That's what we're gonna do. <laughs> what? So <laughs> we could play patty cake. With
0: with the angel?
2: No, with the serial killer
0: oh okay i follow her now it's like what the fuck are you talking about
2: they don't want anything to do with me i promise you
0: they'd be like just take your shit and leave yeah
1: i would literally be critiquing them along the way Uh, uh, you missed a spot no we
2: can't help this one sorry that's the angel to me we can't help this one please take her (laughs) please we'll pay you
1: no take backs no 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 returns no receipt no Mary went to the Save-A-Lot store to confront Herb, telling him that he was a suspect in an investigation into several missing men. She asked that he let investigators search his home. He refused and told her that in the future, she should go through his lawyer. Okay, like smart.
0: Yeah, that's how... Never just
1: let them in.
0: It's the one thing you learn about in the first 48. Like, the second they lawyer up to the cops are like, fuck!
1: Right? Like... Duh. No one watches Law and Order. Mary then went to Julie, telling her what she had told her husband, hoping to get her to agree to a search. Although shocked by what she would heard, Julie also refused them access. Next, Mary tried to get Hamilton County officials to issue a search warrant, but they also refused, saying there was not enough conclusive evidence to warrant it. Herb appeared to suffer an emotional breakdown over the next six months. By June, Julie had reached her limit. The Children's Bureau canceled the contract with Save-A-Lot, and she faced bankruptcy. The fairy tale she'd been living began to dissipate, as did her loyalty to her husband. The haunting image of the skeleton that her son had discovered two years earlier had not left her mind since she first spoke with Mary. She decided to file for divorce and tell Mary about the skeleton. She would also let detectives search the property. Herb and Eric were visiting Herb's mother at Lake Wawasee. Julie picked up the phone and called her lawyer on june 24th 1996 mary and three hamilton county officers walked onto the grassy area next to the ballmeister's patio as they looked closely they could see that the small rocks and pebbles where the ballmeister children had played were bone fragments forensics confirmed that they were in fact human bones so he was just letting his kids play in pebble-sized bone fragments
0: yeah He had a system. He would take the bodies to a burn pile, torch them, and then scatter the bones throughout the the property.
1: The following day, police and firemen began excavation. Bones were everywhere, even on the neighbor's land. Early searches found 5,500 bone fragments and teeth. It was estimated that the bones were from 11 men, though only four victims could be identified. 34-year-old Roger Goodlett, 26-year-old Stephen Hale, 20-year-old Richard Hamilton, and 31-year-old Manuel Resendez.
0: They've got it up to eight identified now. Yeah. So, they, at the time, they only identified yeah, four. Yeah, this is the day
1: they, that...
0: They had a lot to uh, piece together. If you know what I'm saying, a lot, and supposedly there's still bones on the property, uh-huh. and we'll talk about that on. They'll
1: a, never find all of them.
0: No, no. Who, it's who knows? Eighteen
1: acres. Yeah.
0: Who knows how many bodies are actually out there?
1: Who uh, there ain't no telling?
0: Because this is in the '90s. You have to remember, like, this is a time where. Being gay wasn't like a yeah. popular thing. It was like most of these guys were closeted on the weekend, like and would go out on the weekends. They were like
1: weekend warriors. Yep. But butt warriors.
0: Well, mm-hmm. Herb was definitely a weekend warrior.
1: Mm hmm. Julie began to panic. She feared for the safety of Eric, who was still with Herb. So and this also the authorities. Herb and Julie were in the beginning stages of divorce. It was decided that before the discovery that the Baumeisters hit the news, Herb would be served with custody papers demanding that Eric be returned to Julie. When Herb was served, he turned Eric over without incident, figuring that it was just legal maneuvering. Once of the once the news of the bones discovery was broadcasted, Herb vanished. On July 3rd, 1996, just 10 days after investigators uncovered at least 11 skeletal remains buried on the Fox Hollow Farm property, he fled to Sarnia, Ontario, Canada. His body was later discovered inside his car at Pinery Park. Herb had shot himself in the head. Police never got the chance to question his involvement with the 11 disappearances of the gay men. He left a three-page suicide note explaining why he took his life, citing problems with the business and his failing marriage. However, there was no mention of the murder victims scattered across his backyard. The families never got justice or even closure for their murdered loved ones. With Julie's help, investigators of the Ohio Murders of the Gay Men pieced together evidence that linked Herb to the I-70 murders. She provided receipts showing that he had traveled I-70 during the times that the bodies were found along the interstate.
0: And most of these bodies were found in a state of undress. Mm -hmm. So, like, they would have a shirt removed or their pants would be pulled down. There was even a couple, like, kids involved.
1: Like, I think
0: the youngest I saw was 14. Mm -hmm.
1: Bodies had stopped appearing beside the highway about the time that her moved to Fox Hollow Farms. Where there was plenty of land to hide them. It was like almost twenty acres. Oh,
2: he's not a rogue. He's he's got a plot of land to hide his, you know
0: Yeah.
1: His trophies. He just changed
0: venue. Yeah. Changed his MO.
1: While there will never be a confession straight from Herb, authorities are confident he is the one they were looking for. Tony Harris was lucky to escape his true intentions and leave Fox Hollow Farms alive that night. And it's thanks to him that the murders stopped when they did.
0: All I can think of now is that scene from the movie The Warriors at the end where the guy's clinking the bottles. He's like, Warriors, come out and play! If you've seen never seen The Warriors, it's fucking great, and I highly recommend it. It's one of my all-time favorite films. God. But yeah, that's Herb Bombmeister.
1: He's one of my favorite, like, unknowns. Yeah, He's he's an interesting little cat.
0: I think he doesn't get the recognition that he deserves.
1: Well, there's also not a lot of information on him.
0: Yeah, there's not a lot of juicy detail. Like, that,
1: like what, what was, I read was, that was it. He was
2: pretty smart about his kills that it took him that long.
0: And they
1: st- we still don't know who all, and these, the, like official body count. And the
0: fact that he never stated he did it in his suicide note. Yeah. He's like, ah, I'm killing myself because my business is failing and my marriage is failing. My
1: life is falling apart.
0: Yeah. Not that there's 17 bodies hidden in my backyard.
1: At least 5,500. They weren't even bones. hidden.
0: They were just laid out for all sorts of predators to find.
1: So. They said they found 55 bone fragments. That would be... um, 5,500. Yes, I said.
0: You said 55.
1: 5,500, whatever. Um, So that is 26 bodies. If they were all whole pieces. Holy shit. (laughs) 26.6, actually.
0: So I'm assuming that his kill count
1: is way up there
0: yeah cause if he is the I-70 Strangler because the I-70 Strangler was never caught uh huh so this is assuming that Herb Baumeister is the I-70 Strangler his body count could be f- in the 40s 50s maybe
1: mm-hmm. and we'll never know and we'll never. never
0: know never and that's where we're gonna end this episode
1: that, that yeah that's it
0: of Herb Baumeister the Weekend Warrior Killer.
1: <laughs> the Weekend Warrior. <laughs>
0: oh, God. All right, guys. Well, thank you for listening to Creeps yeah. in the Crypt. Thank you again to all our new listeners. and
1: Welcome to the Creep once Show. Once again,
0: please leave us a review. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really helps us out.
1: Send us some love.
0: And Christian, if you would drop those gorgeous socials.
2: Thank you guys so much for the love. July has been super creepy and we're just on this ride with you if you want to stay updated on what we're doing facebook instagram twitter all the socials make sure you guys go like them like eric was saying please make sure that you guys have your downloads on make sure you guys are caught up on the shows um if you have any suggestions our dms are always open on all our social
0: media. i'm doing this new thing now where me and christian watch a horror movie at least one horror movie a night uh, on Shudder. And if you guys have any recommendations, please, please send them to us. Yeah. Uh, but I also post what we're watching on Twitter now.
2: Yeah. Oh, cool. So,
0: little little cool, little fun, interactive thing you guys can do with me and Christian. Um, but yeah. All as, right, as guys. As long as I
2: don't fall asleep. Yeah.
0: She has a bad habit of falling asleep.
2: All I need is some. <laughs> Some yeah, more. once
0: once the cat lays, once executive producer Salem lays down on her, she's a goner. But Please. um all right, guys, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next Friday.
1: Stay creepy. Bye. <laughs>